This series, Manage Your Practice Like a Professional, is sponsored by GPN Technologies, the company that created EdgePro, the eye care industry's leading business analysis software. EdgePro provides you with easy-to-use reports on your practice performance so you can make smarter, more profitable decisions and truly manage your practice like a professional. To learn more about EdgePro, visit www.edgeprosoftware.com. Welcome to Manage Your Practice Like a Professional, a podcast series from Review of Optometric Business with Dr. Michael Kling, the CEO and founder of InVision Optometry in San Diego, and also the founder of Impact Leadership. We're taking a look here at net cash flow, understanding the effect of cash flow on the bottom line. Dr. Kling, let's begin by defining uh, what is cash flow. Is that something doctors understand or need to understand better? Well, thanks for having me, Roger. You know, this is one of my favorite topics to talk about because this is where most practice owners struggle the the most, including myself. When you have a practice that has money coming in and money going out, it's very easy to get upside down so that you've got more going out that's coming in. And, And that, by definition, is basically what cash flow is. You have a certain amount of money that comes in and a certain amount that goes out, and as long as that number is a positive number then you have what's called positive cash flow. Depending on many circumstances about your fees, you can find yourself in a negative cash flow situation very easily. And so one of the things that that I like to talk about is how do we be more strategic about managing our cash flow or what are some of the tools that we can use and what are some of the proactive things that we can do to improve that cash flow. How does poor cash flow lead to making poor financial decisions? Well, when you have poor cash flow, what's interesting is as a business, you can sustain for quite a long time with poor cash flow. As long as money continues to come in and you delay your payments as much as you can, you can actually hang around for a while. But the problem is eventually, if you stay in negative cash flow too long, you're ultimately going to go out of business. And so it's important that you are able to withstand those negative cash flow situations. You may have months where you are negative cash flow, but that's okay as long as you're making up for it on subsequent months where you're in the positive. Let's talk about the difference between cash flow and profit. Is that something that's often confused in the minds of OD owners? It is, and it's important to understand what the differences are between profit and cash flow. Profit is simply an accounting term used to determine how much your taxes are. We have something called a profit and loss statement, And on that profit and loss statement at the very bottom, we determine what the profit of the company is. And that is the number that is used by the government to determine how much that we owe in taxes. The problem is that profit has nothing to do with cash flow. You can have a very profitable business but not have the cash to pay your basic bills or certainly not have the cash to pay your tax liability. And the reason that happens is that there are many things that show up on a profit and loss statement that may not appear that are negatively impacting your cash flow. So it's just important that you understand the distinction between those two concepts. How do you get started on knowing what your cash flow is? Are there any simple tools that can help you? Yeah, there are a number of things that you can do to try to level out the cash flow in your practice. And think about the money that comes in and comes out of your practice on a monthly basis there are some peaks and valleys of both your income and your expenses that occur. And the challenge is to how do you line up those income peaks 
with those outbound expenses that you have. And if you take some time to just look at when the money flows in, we all know that certain times of the month we get an inflow of insurance checks, for instance. And so the influx of cash into our business is greater. We also know there are times of the month when we have outflow increases, such as payroll, and if we have large vendor bills, frame bills, or contact lens bills, or rent due, those are big outfluxes. So the challenge is to line up those inbound influxes of cash with the outbound. And there are a number of strategies you can do, and I'll share one with you, and that is simply just about every credit card company will allow you to select the due date. And if you're a practice that is charging a lot to your credit cards, you can align the due date of when that credit card bill is due with the time of the month where you have a greater amount of influx of income in your practice. Let's say you line that up more precisely with when one of your larger insurance checks comes in. But that's just one example of how you can be strategic to align the inflow and outflow of what's happening with the cash. So you can very much negotiate with a vendor when a payment is due or those terms set. Do you find that vendors of optical goods are uh, amenable to working with you on that? I have found that in the eye care industry that just about every vendor is willing to work with you. Now you've got to do it in good faith. You've got to ultimately understand that they need to be paid as well. And when you take your time paying them, you are in effect affecting their cash flow. And so while they will work with you, it's important that you have a very open dialogue and a relationship with them. But I have found that in most cases, if you have a good relationship with a vendor, that they will work with you on due dates. You're listening to Manage Your Practice Like a Professional, sponsored by GPN Technologies, the creator of EdgePro. EdgePro works with your practice management software automatically to collect and organize more than 30 key performance indicators. With EdgePro, measuring and tracking your practice data is fast and easy. Compare your KPIs year-to-year, by doctor, by team member, or by vision plan with just a few mouse clicks. EdgePro is a critical business tool that helps you manage your practice like a professional. To learn more, visit www.edgeprosoftware.com. Something that's not movable, I guess, is uh, paying your staff. I mean, they expect to be paid on a regular basis and need to because everything in their lives is based on that. Yeah, the biggest sucking sound in our bank account occurs twice a month, and it's at the first of the month, and it's in the middle, middle of the month, and that's when payroll is due. And those are pretty well set. You can be strategic about your payroll. You could pay on a weekly basis if it made sense. But most of us, I believe, pay on a two-week basis, and so those are generally set. And knowing that, you can align potentially some of the other income influxes into your practice to offset the outflow of those bigger payroll bills. Okay, that's I'm imagining that you're talking about non-OD staff. What about OD compensation, which might have a different uh, pattern of, of payment? If you have associate ODs, of course you can be fairly flexible with them if they are being paid as independent contractors. And I know there's a lot of conversation in the industry about the difference of do we pay them as a W-2 employee or do we pay them as independent contractors. Our associate docs, we have five, they are all paid as W-2 employees. And so they are lumped into our our payroll just like the rest of our staff. But I do know that a lot of docs pay their associates as independent contractors. And in that instance, you can be very flexible about when you pay those. Those can be negotiated with your associates so that maybe you offset that payment at a different time of the month that your 
typical uh, payment is due for your regular payroll. Let's talk about the relationship a practice should have with a lender. Do you uh, recommend that somebody have a well-established relationship with a local bank? Should a practice have established from the beginning a line of credit and, uh, and work with a, a lender on that? What about practices that may dip into a credit card and the higher rates that involves versus perhaps the loyalty points which are very much part of anybody's uh, spending picture these days? Tell me about banks and lines of credit. Yes, yeah, so a line of credit is is highly, highly critical to being able to manage your cash flow. One of the most important things that it's important to remember is that you want to establish that line of credit when things are going well. You don't want to wait till you get yourself in trouble and then go to the bank and say, hey, I need a line of credit because I'm in trouble. They're going to be much less likely to give you that line of credit or, or they'll potentially give you a much lower line of credit when things aren't going well. But when you can come to them when things are going well and you can show them that your business is strong and healthy, they're often very willing to give you that line of credit. And then it just sits there. It sits there for the times that you need it. The important thing also to remember about the lines of credit is you've got to make sure you pay it back. The worst thing you can do is start tapping into your lines of credit and not paying that back because that simply creates debt. And debt is the most enormous strain on a business and that if you don't manage that debt properly, you can really find yourself in trouble. So if you are going to utilize a line of credit, make sure that you have the means to pay that back. If you don't have the means to pay it back, there's something more fundamentally wrong with what's happening with your practice that needs to be looked at besides just simply going and get a, getting a line of credit to get yourself out of trouble. Banks are very competitive these days, and they're after your business. How often would you recommend that somebody reevaluate perhaps a local bank that they're dealing with to see if there's a, a better deal or whether they could negotiate perhaps a, a lower rate on a line of credit? I think the best thing that you can do with a bank is get to establish a personal relationship with the banker. And in the San Diego area, we have a number of small regional relationship banks that are really looking to do business with small business owners. And the value of those banks, as opposed to sort of the larger Wells Fargo and Bank of America, is that they are much more flexible often in their lending practices. And so they'll be able to provide you with some resources that a larger bank may not be able to. But simply by having that relationship, it creates a much easier transaction if you need money. I have a great relationship with a credit union here in California, and I literally can just pick up the phone and call them and tell them what I need. And very few questions are asked because I've had 25 years of lending with them. It makes it very easy to access cash when I need it. I would say credit cards are a very powerful tool. They are good for being able to delay payments. They're good for accumulating reward points and travel points and airline miles. Where you have to be careful is they often come with a very high price, and that's interest. And so if you're utilizing credit cards and you're not paying off those credit cards on a monthly basis, you're really just digging yourself into a deeper financial hole and accumulating more debt, which we've already talked about being really the biggest strain on a business, is uh, the acquisition of debt. So use the credit cards, but use it very wisely, and make sure you pay those things off every month. People talk about good debt versus bad debt. Do you have a thought on that? Consumer debt, when we think of consumer debt, personal debt is always bad in my opinion. Business debt, on the other hand, is good because business debt allows us to have what's called leverage. 
And business debt gives us resources that we can make investments into our business to generate more income. So when we borrow money to buy, let's say, a piece of equipment or to invest in some technology, that technology improves our business, makes our business stronger, improves our cash flow, and gives us the leverage to pay off the debt that we borrowed to buy the technology. And that's different with consumer debt, for instance, in buying another car, because the car doesn't, while it may bring us some personal satisfaction, it loses value, it's a depreciating asset, and it only costs us money without actually generating more income for us. What's an acceptable level of debt for a practice, say a baby bear, mama bear, papa bear? That's a great question, Roger, and I don't know the answer. I have seen reports in the literature about what a percentage of debt should be. Here's the reality. It really comes down to a case-by-case basis, and here's the reason why. If you look at a typical optometric business that has a certain percentage of cost of goods, people cost, occupancy costs, and what I'll call things, which is everything else, there's a certain amount of net income that falls to the bottom line. Now, out of that net income, you've got to pay the doctors, and that may be yourself if you're in solo practice, or it may be yourself and your associates. And at the end of the day, the money that's left over is what's left to service debt, unless you're putting that debt higher up on your profit and loss statement. So you have to remember that that percentage that you're going to spend on debt is really contingent on how profitable the practice is, and that ties right back into how well your cash flow is doing. What is the effect of net cash flow on the valuation of a practice? Lately, we've seen a lot of interest in private equity, and private equity has shined the spotlight on this term of cash flow in a practice. And I think most optometrists are not really clear on the importance of cash flow until we start hearing private equity come to town and say, we're going to pay you a certain multiple of your cash flow, or your practice is worth a certain multiple of cash flow. And For an equity firm, when they're looking at a business, all they look at is how much cash falls to the bottom line. And they're determining the valuation on that business, not on your profit, but on your cash flow. Not on your top line revenue, but often on your cash flow. So that is the most critical thing that business owners recognize is that improving their cash flow directly impacts the valuation of their business. Cash flow is an essential part of managing a business and maximizing the value of your practice, is it not? Are there steps that optometrists, OD owners can take to really affect that cash flow and really dramatically uh, affect the valuation of their practice? So once a doc understands, a, a business owner understands that there is something that can be done, there are several things that an owner can do to improve the cash flow in their business. And I like to call those the cash flow buttons, and sometimes they're called the levers. But they are things that you can do proactively in your practice to improve the the bottom line of your practice. And those are things like you can increase your fees. A small 1% increase in your fees doesn't sound like much, but if you have a larger practice, that can mean thousands and thousands of dollars in increase in income to your business. And your patients won't even recognize or even notice a 1% increase in your fees. You can decrease your cost of goods. Just buying a little bit uh, more diligently, being a little smarter about where you're buying your frames and your lenses. And again, just by improving that by one percentage point can dramatically improve your cash flow. You can decrease your overhead. Maybe there are some things that you're spending money on in your practice that's wasteful or redundant. 
Are there ways that you can decrease your overhead there? You can decrease your debtor days, which are the number of days it takes your customers and your patients and the insurance companies to pay you. Are you getting your claims out on time? Are you getting all the billing done in an efficient manner so that you're getting the payments from the insurance companies as quickly as you can? One of the things that you can do is decrease your inventory days, and that's the number of days that a frame sits on a shelf. Sometimes that's referred to as stock days. In other words, how, how many days does it take to turn over your inventory? And one of the things that we often don't think about is that that frame has a dollar value. And you can think of that frame being a rolled up Benjamin Franklin or a $100 bill sitting on that shelf. And if we looked at our shelves and they were full of $100 bills, we would be very diligent about making sure that we took those $100 bills and turned them into $200 bills or $300 bills. But when it's a frame, we often forget that that's actually capital. That's the equivalent of cash that's sitting on our shelf. And we need to do whatever we can to turn that into money as fast as we can and decrease that inventory time period. We want to thank Dr. Michael Kling of Envision Optometry in San Diego for contributing to this podcast series, Manage Your Practice Like a Professional. We thank our sponsor, GPN Technologies, the creator of EdgePro. Having EdgePro means your data is always up to date and available on any device. All the information you need to run your practice like a pro is always at your fingertips, so you can focus on making the critical decisions that will grow your practice revenue. Let EdgePro help you run your practice like a CEO. To learn more about EdgePro, visit www.edgeprosoftware.com.